earth, water, fire, and air. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, can save the world. After 100 years frozen in time, Aang, the last airbender, must master all four elements to stop the Fire Nation from ruling the world. Join me as we explore the mystical world of Avatar, the last airbender. What up fam? Welcome to Toon Lord Done Right, a podcast where I take a moment to give you a quick history of a film, TV show, character, or concept in animation. You can call me Dave, and I'm kind of a student of all things animation. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at ToonLordDR, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ToonLord. As always, I want to give a thank you to everyone who has been listening to and sharing the podcast. I'm so happy to say that we have passed over 700 downloads for the show. It's surreal to see this number continually go up. And I also want to give a shout out to my listeners in Virginia. Oddly enough, about 30% of my listeners are in Virginia, specifically Ashburn and Washington. So if you're one of our VA listeners, hit me up on Twitter and I'll shout you out on the next show. Speaking of shout outs, we have quite a few people who requested this episode. So shout outs goes to Sarah Chua, Krista, Charlize, William Blount, Samar Sethi, Brandon Moulton, you can find him on Instagram at Brandon Lava, and Trey Swigert. You can find him on Instagram at Mr. Contro. So that's at M-R-C-O-N-T-R-O. Again, I want to welcome you all to one of my favorite shows of all time, Avatar The Last Airbender. So let's jump right into it. Avatar The Last Airbender, also known as Avatar The Legend of Aang in some regions, is an Emmy award-winning American animated television series that aired for three seasons on Nickelodeon and the Nicktoons Network. The series was created and produced by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian, I'm gonna butcher this last name, Kanitsko. Konitsko, I think I've got that right, who served as executive producers along with Aaron Ihaz. Avatar is set in an Asian-influenced world of martial arts and elemental manipulation. The show drew on elements of East Asian and South Asian and Western culture, making it a mixture of what were previously traditionally separate categories of Japanese anime and Western domestic cartoons. Avatar holds a unique place with me since it came out at a formative time in my life. When it was released in 2005, one of my homies came up to me and told me that the fight scenes could stand side by side with anime. Now at the time, most anime hadn't really reached the mainstream and in the US there was really only one place to watch it. Avatar did become one of my favorite shows, but it was hard to compete with one of my other favorite shows, especially when Optimus Prime did the promos to hype it up. Dragon Ball Z. Weekdays at 5.30. Power up. Only to mommy. Yeah, so Dragon Ball Z was the business back then, and it's still one of three anime that I'm eager to tackle on the show, yet it also brings equal trepidation because of how expansive it is and how special it is particularly to me. But enough about Dragon Ball. I first walked into Avatar with caution because based on my friend's recommendation, it had to deliver big in order to live up to this recommendation. And I must say, 
I was not disappointed. The characters were believable. The fights were not just for show because each battle served a purpose and the world felt lived in. However, being compared to Dragon Ball Z, things did start off a wee bit slow, but I quickly got over that. Looking back over the series, it is one of the most well-paced and beautiful shows that I've ever seen in my life. I also must mention again that this was back in 2005, so if you wanted to watch a show, you had to be intentional about it. YouTube was still in its infancy, maybe only out for a year at this point. iPhones hadn't been released yet. Instead of flat screen TVs, all the TVs still had the little butts on the back. And if you missed an episode, you were out of luck for at least a week. So if you came from a big family like me, where we had one TV to share between nine siblings, you might get lucky and be able to have someone recorded on the VCR, but that was no guarantee. You just had to be intentional about turning on the TV and watching it live. That was pretty much the only way to experience it. Speaking of Nick, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Avatar premiered on Nickelodeon. This, along with Cartoon Network, was the epicenter of animated content at the time. When watching, you could expect to see shows like Danny Phantom, Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron, Invader Zim, As Told by Ginger, and more. However, as an action-oriented show, the animation in Avatar stood out. The Nicktoons animation studio that created Avatar was built in 1998. When speaking of this new establishment, the then president of film and TV entertainment for Nickelodeon, Albie Hetch, said that he wanted to create a quote, playful, inspirational, and cutting edge lab, which will hopefully give birth to the next generation of classic cartoons, end quote. An ambitious goal for sure, but with hit shows like Avatar and Spongebob under their belt, the studios seem to have a great talent for hiring the right people. I also mentioned at the top of the show that Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konisco were the original creators of Avatar. Between the two of them, they have worked on projects such as King of the Hill, Family Guy, Invader Zim, and of course, Avatar The Legend of Korra. In September 2018, it was announced that they would both partner with Netflix as executive producers on a live action series based on Avatar. However, in August of 2020, they announced their departure from the live action adaptation due to creative differences. In a blog post from DiMartino, he states, quote, Whatever version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I envisioned or intended to make. In another statement, he went on to say, quote, We came to the belief that we would not be able to meaningfully guide the direction of the series. End quote. I'm sure that more details about the split will emerge in due time, but for now, we can only hope that the Netflix adaptation of Avatar does not end up like the company's rendition of Death Note. Spoiler alert, it was horrible and not faithful to the source material at all. Do yourself a favor and never watch it, ever. As a random side note, it was my love for Death Note that retroactively piqued my interest in Sherlock Holmes. I'm a sucker for a good mystery and good writing. Speaking of writers, I wanted to take a moment to highlight some of the writers that worked on Avatar. Writers such as Aaron Ihaz, John O'Brien, and Elizabeth Welch Ihaz have collectively worked on shows such as Mission Hill, Futurama, The Dragon Prince on Netflix, Motor City, and Ben 10. Lastly, I'd like to highlight Sifu Kisu. If you like the fight scenes in Avatar, then you have Sifu Kisu to thank for that. 
He is a fighting instructor from Morocco and is known for his extensive knowledge and abilities with various styles of martial arts. When developing the fighting styles for the bending arts, he based them all on real martial arts. Water bending is based on Tai Chi for its fluidity and adaptability. Earth bending is based on Hongar and took inspiration from the style's low stances rooted in power. Fire bending is formed from the Northern Shaolin system for its dynamic footwork and arrow-like forward attacking techniques. Finally, there's air bending, which is formed from Bagua. It utilizes light circle walking techniques as the fighter rotates their center in order to counteract resistance and attack. The character that masterfully puts the airbending style on display is none other than our main character and last airbender, Aang. Aang was an air nomad born during the century-long conflict known as the Hundred Year War. He is a 12-year-old pacifist who is also the Avatar. As the Avatar, he will be able to master all four elements, but this title also comes with an expectation to bring peace to the world. Voiced by Zach Tyler, who is also known for his work as Pablo on the Backyardigans, brings life to the character. As a child, burdened with his responsibility, he runs away only to be frozen in time for 100 years. After waking, he has to come to grips with his responsibility as the Avatar and his desire to grow as a normal kid. And while his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. Katara is a waterbending master. Born in the Southern Water Tribe, she, along with her brother Sokka, discovered the Avatar frozen in ice. At only the age of 14, she is strong-willed and independent. These character traits come mostly from losing her mother to the Fire Nation at a young age and watching her father leave for war. Despite being the younger sister, she often acts as a mother figure to Sokka and the others who journey with her. More than anyone else, she connects to Aang on a personal level as they navigate their desire to save the world and their budding teenage romance. Voiced by Mae Whitman, you may know her as Batgirl from DC Superhero Girls and Anne Veal from Arrested Development. As for Sokka, I just mentioned that he is the older brother of Katara, but prior to their departure of the Southern Water Tribe, he was the village's chief warrior. Voiced by Jack DeSena, known for his work on All That from 2000 to 2005, and Netflix's The Dragon Prince. The title of warrior was given to Sokka when his father and the other tribe members went off to war. While he means well, he starts his journey as a bumbling and incompetent fighter and acts as comic relief for much of the show. However, despite being a non-bender, Sokka becomes the main strategist for the group. Over time, his leadership and combat skills improve as he becomes an indispensable member of Team Avatar. In addition to Katara and Sokka, we have other members that join Team Avatar, like Toph Beifong. Voiced by Michaela Jill Murphy, she is an earthbending master and the most powerful earthbender in her time. Born blind, her family constantly coddled her and underestimated her abilities. Her earthbending powers allowed her to, quote, see any vibrations that move through the ground. This makes her uncomfortable when flying on Aang's animal sidekick, Appa, or unstable in surfaces like sand. 
However, even her brash personality and initial uninterest in training Aang, she chose to leave her old life behind to train the Avatar and travel the world. Now, rounding out Team Avatar, we have our animal sidekicks. We have Momo, who is a winged lemur. He is loyal to his companions and is one of the few known winged lemurs living at the time. Finally, rounding out our early heroes, we have the real MVP, Appa. Appa is a sky bison that shares a strong bond with Aang. He is most known for his ability to fly despite his large size. It seems impossible, but it is a feat that is made possible through airbending. Beyond his use as the team's main transportation, his pure strength, resilience, and fighting ability has saved the team on more than one occasion. It's pretty clear that the team would not be able to save the world without him. Now, moving on to the villains, and I use that word lightly because many of the characters in the show are just complex and are only seen as villains because their actions, at least for the moment, oppose Aang and the others. There are only a handful of people in the show that I would characterize as straight up villainous. With that in mind, I'd like to start with Prince Zuko, voiced by Dante Bosco, known for his work on Star Wars Rebels, Generator Rex, as Marco in Moesha, and my personal favorite, Rufio from the 1991 movie Hook. Rufio! 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 Zuko is a firebending master with a troubled past. Exiled by his father, Fire Lord Osai, he has been given an impossible task of tracking down and capturing the missing avatar. As one of the most complex characters, he spends the series struggling with his want to prove himself to his father and his need for a loving family. He is often accompanied by his uncle, General Iroh, who acts mostly as his conscience throughout the series. Speaking of Uncle Iroh, he is the elder brother of Fire Lord Osai, but unlike Osai and many others from the Fire Nation, he is wise and easygoing and quite a spiritual person. Known worldwide for his firebending abilities, he has earned the honorary title of the Dragon of the West. After the death of his son, Iroh began to see the banished Zuko as his own son rather than his nephew. A constant source of wisdom and instruction to all who is connected to him, Uncle Iroh is truly a guiding light to the main characters in the story. Originally voiced by Mako Owamatsu, also known for his work as Aku from Samurai Jack, the voice actor was succeeded by Greg Baldwin for season three after his untimely passing. Finally, we will end our cast of characters with Fire Lord Osai himself. A truly menacing and evil figure in the Avatar world, his presence can be felt in every arc. The younger brother of Uncle Iroh, he convinced the previous Fire Lord to name him the successor so that he can continue the nation's campaign to rule the world. It also helps that he was voiced by the legendary Mark Hamill, who is known most for his role as Luke Skywalker from the Star Wars series, the Joker from Batman the Animated Series, Master Ericus from the Kingdom Hearts series, and Dictatius from Netflix's Troll Hunter series. I could go on for days listing his accolades, but this is just a small taste of the range that this performer has.
Now we've come to the portion of the show that I like to call the hook shot. This is where I watch the first three to five episodes of the show, and if I'm hooked, then I'll let you know if you should give it a shot. So Avatar is one of my favorite shows of all time, so I absolutely recommend it. And the first five episodes really do a great job of establishing the main cast as lovable characters that you want to root for. The first few episodes do an amazing job of setting the stage for the show. It establishes Zuko as a force to be reckoned with, Sokka as a weak yet brave warrior, Katara as a strong and fast learning bender, and Aang as a kind-hearted novice and shows the fierceness of the Avatar state. However, I believe the most engaging thing that was established was the importance of cabbage. The people here are the friendliest in the world. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Nah, I'm just kidding about the cabbages. Kinda. Anywho, as we begin our journey, we see just how big the world is. We start off at the South Pole, then go to the Air Temple, then to Kyoshi Island, then the Earth Kingdom, all within five episodes. It is made abundantly clear that the main characters have a long journey ahead of them. So if I haven't made it clear thus far, I absolutely love the show and couldn't recommend it enough. Now, before I let you go, I want to take you to the part of the show I like to call the black light. Here, I scour the farthest and darkest corners of the internet to showcase a piece of work or artist that has piqued my interest. Now, I want to point you guys to an artist I've been following for about six years, maybe more. Her name is Geneva, and her Instagram is G-D-B-E-E, -E, and she does the most amazing illustrations, particularly of women of color. Every drawing and painting I see makes me feel as if I'm being drawn into a living, breathing fantasy world. I'm not sure if she's open for commissions at the moment, but she's done an illustration for my family in the past that I hold near and dear to my heart. I've also supported her on Kickstarter as she has made enamel pins, which are amazing. So if you want to be inspired by a woman of color that can pull you into a fantasy world with her work, please check her out on Instagram. She is at GDBEE. -E. Moving on to trivia. As always, the trivia will consist of one question that directly relates to the episode and one unrelated fan question. Remember, you can submit fan questions to me by emailing me at tunelorddr at gmail.com. The first people who respond with the correct answer to the trivia on my Twitter may get a shout out on the next episode. So here goes. Which fighting style did not influence a bending martial arts? Tai Chi, Muay Thai, Hungar, or Bagua? I'll repeat the question. Which fighting style did not influence a bending martial arts? A, Tai Chi, B, Muay Thai, C, Hungar, or D, Bagua? Now, for our fan question, in honor of Zach Tyler's previous role on The Backyardigans, which was not a character on the Nickelodeon show. Uniqua, A, B, Tyrone, 
C, Pablo, or D, Sharkeisha? I'll ask the question again. Which character was not a part of the Nickelodeon show, The Backyardigans? A, Uniqua, B, Tyrone, C, Pablo, or D, Sharkeisha? Remember, the first few people to respond to me on Twitter may get a shout out on the show. This has been Toon Lord Done Right. And don't forget to like, share, review, comment, and subscribe. I can't wait to see what new countries and people we can reach. If you would like to submit a trivia question, please send an email to toonlordr at gmail.com with the subject line TLDR Trivia. Please give a multiple choice question and note the correct answer. Also, feel free to leave your Twitter or Instagram handles in your message. You can make suggestions on future episodes by joining the Facebook page at facebook.com slash toonlore or letting me know what you think by following me on Instagram and on Twitter at toonlore.dr. I also hope that you like some of the new music selections for this episode. I'm working with a trusted friend to bring some updated original music to the show. So until the next time I can give you the TLDR on a film, TV show, concept, or character in animation, it's been real.